We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. We've talked before about the challenge of shooting like a party scene, right? You do a lot of football scenes in this, both practice and play. So how do you do these football scenes, which are complicated and there's lots of people in the field, and make it, like, you know, just just make sense? Right. Well, there's a couple of things. One is the NFL shoots football really well. So if you're going to see football in a movie, you've got to exceed what they do already every week. And the way to do that is to do what uh, television can't do, which is to get inside the player's head, to get inside the player's perspective. And more importantly, a sports scene is no different than an action scene, which is no different from a musical number, meaning the story can't stop. You have to advance character and story through the sports plays. So if you do all that, then the scenes really work because you have the kinetic energy of football. So it's gladiators and these people flying at high velocity and they're slamming into each other. And, you know, the the incredible demands of playing sports at, at a D1 level. And you really feel that because we understand what the character's going through. We understand the probability of success or failure of him completing the play. And we really care what he does. Safety is a football film, but it's so much more. It's about a freshman on the Clemson University football team who's got a younger brother who needs him to be a father to him because he's got nobody else. So he takes him in and tries to learn how to be a dad and a football player and a scholar all at the same time. And it's a true story. It's now a Disney film that was directed by my man, Reggie Hudlin. I talked to Reggie about making this film, about conceiving the film, about the hardest parts of doing it, and about Reggie's friendship with the late Chadwick Boseman. He's not in safety, but Reggie made Marshall, his picture about Thurgood Marshall starring Chadwick. So he's got a lot of fond memories 
of Chadwick Boseman. So we talk about Chadwick and then we get into safety. Definitely check that out. It's on Disney Plus right now. For half of this interview, you'll get that for free for the whole thing, which is really fascinating discussion of how to make a film and the hardest parts of directing this movie safety. Go to patreon.com slash show. That's patreon.com slash show for this, this whole interview and all of our Friday exclusives and all the full episodes of our Wednesday episodes. Patreon.com slash show. All right, let's get into this. It's Reggie Hudlin, the director of Safety on Torre Show. I want to talk about safety. I watched it last night. It's a really, really interesting, fun, heartwarming film. Um, I want to talk about two issues before we get there. Um, you were really close with Chadwick Boseman. You made a movie, a great movie, Marshall, about Thurgood Marshall starring Chadwick. And we all had dinner, so I know you were, you know, you, you worked with him on set. You were cool with him off set. It wasn't just a working relationship. Um can you talk a little bit about who he was as a person and also who he was as an actor? Mm -hmm. He was an artist in the true sense of the word. I mean, you know, he, he cared tremendously about the art of acting, about the arts in general, whether it was music or dance or whatever. Um, he was a real intellectual. I remember we did a joint appearance on uh, the Jake Tapper show on MSNBC. And as we're leaving, uh, someone who worked on the show said, hey, I, I've got these books for you guys. And one of them was about the, uh, the black people who built the White House. And we were like, oh, this is so cool. And <laughs> so leaving, I was like, we got excited over book swag. Right. I mean, like some people want to watch or this or that, but we were excited about, you know, uh, uh, a, a historical book, you know, and I just really felt like, oh, this, you know, these are my people. You know, it was that way from when we first met. You know, we were both into martial arts. We we're both into comic books. We we're both into what we were into. Uh, so it was a real pleasure working together. You know, he I remember being with y'all on the set of Marshall and we went to some restaurant, closed down the restaurant because we got to some argument about music and it was like back and forth for like hours. And he was like, just one of the guys of like, you know, this is my opinion on the music that I love. And like, it was like a good intellectual fight. And it was, it, I don't remember what specifically we were talking about, but it was fun as hell. Right. And that's the thing. It, it's it's first of all, the, the lack of pretension, you know, no star, no ego, no Hollywood, anything. Right. And he had this perfect mix of like South Carolina and Brooklyn and, you know, in L.A. It was just like all in perfect balance. Um, and I mean, for me, whenever we talked, we had such a great time from from the first time we met to, you know, last summer. You know, which is we had this kind of long, great conversation. He was talking at the time about how happy he was that his next two movies were on Netflix. He said, here we are in COVID, but I've got movies coming out where people are watching. 
Uh, so he said, wow, I've got, you know, five bloods and I've got Ma Rainey. And he just felt very good that he was, his work was going to be seen. I remember seeing him getting ready for a shot and he was off in the corner by himself and he was really like psyching himself up and really getting into mode. And it was very much like an athlete getting ready to go out to play or, you know, maybe a rapper getting ready to like, and, and I had not quite seen that before. Um, and just the intensity that he was able to bring on the set was quite high. Yeah, no, one of the joys of the movie was, you know, three, I mean, you know, Chadwick paired with Josh, who's an amazing actor because he's made people kind of take Josh's technique for granted, right? So the two of them really loving each other, loving working together, right? And then Sterling comes in, right? And Sterling got his own flavor and all three of them just enjoy each other in the interplay they had, you know, because they were in so many scenes together and the fun of that. I mean, it's kind of unimaginable that one person could be able to be Thurgood Marshall and Jackie Robinson and James Brown and the Black Panther, and it would all fit and mix. I mean, there's got to be something special in you when different people keep seeing he could be an icon of this era, of this era of sports, of law, of of fantasy, sci-fi, you know, like it there's something special in you. It's not just your acting ability. You're exactly right. It's really a, it's two things. One is having the acting technique to transform and and inhabit these different characters. Because it's funny because, you know, we'd be on the set and we'd be joking around and occasionally he would slip into James Brown and respond as James Brown. Right. And when he do James Brown, you realize that's a completely different human being than the character you're playing now. Right. Just seeing him in wardrobe as Thurgood Marshall. And you go, oh, <laughs> right. You really, and it was like, and that was the skin he hadn't quite let go. Like he could, he could, he would still pull that out on occasion. Um, but I think the bigger issue to play all four of those characters, you have to have um, kind of a moral center and a glow, you know, to pay, to play those heroes. Uh, and, and and embody those heroes to an audience, right? I mean, Black Panther, I mean, when I was writing Black Panther, there were two things I always had in mind. Was you wrote the comic book long before the movie. Folks may not remember. Before the movie, yes. Vinick Shuri, his sister. Um, so when I wrote Black Panther, I was like, look, number one, the Black Panther is the African equivalent of Captain America. Captain America to me is... Everything that's great about America is inside this one guy, right? And everything that's great about Africa is inside this one guy, which is why they always got along, because they were both uh, kind of living paragons uh, of the best of their culture. Um, The other thing is that um, I always, when I read the old Black Panther comic, when he debuted in 1966, I thought, well, this was clearly... Sydney Poitier, right? If you had made the movie in 1970, Sydney Poitier would have been the Black Panther. Um, 
And it's, I mean, I really think the, the actor that was closest to, to embodying that Sidney Poitier energy was Chadwick Boseman. Like, you know, history doesn't repeat it rhymes, you know, so Chadwick was his own man, but he actually could do that. And that's not a small thing. That's a giant thing. You know, Sidney Poitier being one of the greatest actors in Hollywood history, and you just go, yeah, that mantle, Chadwick. That's a massive compliment. Do you have any thoughts on what Black Panther 2 should do to address like you know we don't have our king anymore what do what how do we do you pull some stuff that you didn't use from the first picture to like what how do you what do you do well fortunately that is not my problem right everyone thinks well you must know or or they asking you and i'm like i don't know they're not asking me it's uh you know it the movie's in fine hands you know, Ryan Coogler's a great filmmaker. Kevin Feige's super smart. They'll do a great job. Uh, everyone's like, well, should it be Shuri or not? Because you turned Shuri into the Black Panther. So, you know, are they going to follow your book? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say, hey, we're just going to have another guy come up and replace him. And, you know, like. Michael B. Jordan, if maybe he really did die, and he that could be interesting. Sure, he could be interesting, but like, there's many theories floating around. Uh, and good luck. <laughs> <laughs> did 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 you get to say goodbye, or was it just a total shock? It was a total shock. I mean, I mean that's what happened once people found out. Everyone started calling each other, and you know, the fourth or fifth question is, did you know? And as far as I can tell, no one knew, right? I mean, which is a tribute to how tight his inner circle was, that um, they really kept a secret. And that's a statement of their character and the respect they had for him. Yeah. Um, I want to shift to one other point just to talk about Mm -hmm. movies and the future of the distribution of movies. Uh, the theater has always been the center of where Hollywood sends their stuff. And, you know, with COVID, that's obviously been completely disrupted. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people thought getting back to normal, one of those things will be like going to movies, going to concerts, going to parties. Like, I, I can't wait to go back to the movies, the big screen, the big volume. Um, but now we see Warner Brothers, they're going to dump their whole slate on HBO Max. Others will surely follow using streamers to be a first place of release, bypassing movie theaters. You wonder, is this sort of the beginning of the end of movie theaters? What what do you think? What do you see for the future of distribution? Well, it's certainly a threat uh, to the theatrical experience as we have known it, right? Uh, If you look historically, as new mediums uh, uh, pop up, no medium goes away. It just changes, right? I mean, there's still live theater, right? But movies changed what you expect from live theater and its importance in the pantheon of entertainment. The same way television changed movies, but movies still existed even though there was television. Uh, and, you know, and, and, you know, and so on and so on. So 
I don't think movie theaters go away ever. Um, the question is, are they, do they continue to be sort of the, the pinnacle of uh, entertainment uh, consumption as a platform? Um, you know, there's, a, there's so many things happening simultaneously. One is, will the young audience, after a year and a half of not going to theaters, fall, fall out of the habit of going to see movies in theaters? And I talked to my kids and my son is like, I miss going to the movies. I like the social experience of going with my friends and eating food and seeing a movie like that. My daughter's like, eh. <laughs> so I'm like, no. <laughs> so, But you want, I mean, like, you know, when a big movie comes out that she wants to see, then perhaps she'll be a uh, lord. But you wonder if it becomes difficult for the theater, uh, for the studios to make, you know, a hundred million in a first weekend when we're pushing out to a streamer. It, it, it's, it, it's hard to do the numbers that they are used to doing. Yeah. I, I think there are, I think the, I, I think there are uh, serious economic consequences to undercutting the theatrical release uh, platform. You know, it, and and that, you know, and look, I look at streaming, which is wonderful, but, you know, so much of streamer success is based on shows that debuted on traditional television, like whether it's Full House or The Office or Friends, you know, those shows really helped make streaming successful. And in the same way, theatrical motion pictures really helped launch cable and really helped launch streamers. And the idea that you can launch a movie and build worldwide awareness for it, see it in this spectacular experience that helps build the emotional reaction to the movie because you're seeing it in a, hopefully a really great theater and you're, you're sharing that experience with other people. Yeah. That changes how you feel about a piece of IP. And that feeling then, you know, continues as you move through these other platforms. So when you undermine that initial experience, you could ultimately, cut, you know, you're like, oh, I'm I'm saving money because we're just putting it straight on the streamer. But you're like, eh. but are you undermining the value of the property? So I mean, totally. I remember seeing Black Panther. Um, it was a screening at MoMA. The thrill and excitement before it started was palpable. That was part of it. Um, hearing when Shuri says, you know, looks at his shoes and says, what are those? And the whole theater is slayed. And I remember that. And watching it alone, it's not quite the same experience. And there's moments I get goosebumps, um, but it's not quite the same experience. And, like, watching a film with a bunch of other people does matter. I mean, there's definitely times when... Like everybody else is laughing and you're not, and you're like, oh, I guess that was fun, you know, or everybody else is upset and you feel that and you're like, oh, okay, this is what people, it, it matters. It affects the way you see the film. Well, you know, I, I think overall, you know, when we finally uh, beat this COVID thing and there's a vaccine and, you know, we, and people wear masks and we get to the point where we could do communal experiences, we're going to really love those communal experiences. We're going to have a lot of parties. 
We're going to go to a lot of concerts. We're going to go see a lot of movies because we're going to be, oh, people, people are underrated. <laughs> so I think that could really change the equation. Yeah. I mean, people say, oh, I'm never going to shake hands again. I'm like, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hug a lot because I really miss human contact. I don't so know. once it's okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be like, ah! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I want to see people. I don't know if I'll be hugging, but we'll see. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. Make It Plain covers politics and social justice. From organizers to legislators, it's the conversation you need to get woke. 
You've made a really interesting film that is going to be on Disney Plus called yes. Safety. A true story about a Clemson football player who, through circumstances not unusual to a lot of black families that are struggling with addiction and poverty, he has to take in his little brother and um, and figure out how to be a football player and an athlete, which is really hard, and a father, which is really hard. Three really hard jobs all at once for a young guy who's like, he's like 19 or 20, or he's, he's a freshman, actually. Yeah, he's a freshman, you know, and, you know, take a larger than normal academic load. Right, 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 right. He's not doing, they make a point, say he's not doing the normal basket weaving. No, he's taking 16 credits. Athletes take 12 credits. Right. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, it's free. I'm like, like, I'm getting my free stuff because I'm not just going to play football in my life. And he's not the normal student. There's a scene where he's like, you know, the teacher has a question. He's like, yeah, well, I read the footnotes. (laughs) Like, he's that kid. Um, But he's not, he's, he's handling it, but he's not like crushing it. Like, everything is sort of slipping a little bit. He's, he's kind of like, you know, like, like, I'm, I'm trying to keep all these pots uh, from bubbling over and they're all bubbling over a little bit. And it's, it's, it's a really interesting story um, to watch him, like just sort of trying to deal with this. Just uh, look, I know you're not a big sports guy. So where did this story start in you? Mm-hmm. It started when I read the script, uh, you know, I, I'm reading it and I'm like, Oh my God, this is fantastic. And you know, there's that kind of page 20 barrier, right? Where if you're reading a script that's not good or not for you, usually around page 20, you put it down. You say, I'm going to make a sandwich. And three days later, you go, oh, that script's still laying there on the couch. Shoot, I, got, I didn't finish that script. Um, this script, I had the opposite reaction. On page 20, I started pacing around the house. And my wife was like, what's going on? I'm going, this script is good. <laughs> so I sit down. And then 40 pages later, I'm pacing around the house again. My wife goes, now what? I go, I think I'm going to work. (laughs) They sent it to you like, will you consider directing this? Exactly. And I just. Was it already, I'm sorry, was it already at Disney or was it the. Yes, it was already set up at Disney Plus. They wanted to make the movie. Would you consider this? And I just had the kind of chemical reaction of just like I love this movie I uh, uh, I love the story that it's telling I'm completely emotionally engaged I would love to make this movie there are scenes here I want to shoot everything about it excited me uh, so I mean because yes it's a football movie and look football visually it's fantastic yeah uh, and then on top of it it was so much more than that. It was this movie about this. I mean, what's great is that the script was great. I didn't, I didn't go, there's a great idea here and we can get this to, uh, uh, to make a good movie. I'm like, no, no, I just need to shoot these pages. Like, this is a great script. And man, the audience is going to laugh here. They're going to cry here. They're going to feel inspired here. And, I just felt like at this moment, and this was pre-COVID, in this moment, boy, we need this movie. This is a movie about fundamental human values. I mean, how did this guy escape? 
education, hard work, uh, commitment to excellence, and commitment to family. Those are universal values that bring any and everybody together, right? He takes responsibility for himself. Other people see his responsibility. They see his value system, and they join in and help. So it's the team that is the entire community because he is about these fundamental principles. And that's a fantastic thing to say. Yeah. Let's say that. Let's say that loud and proud. And I mean, it's a movie about a young black father. He's not technically a father, but as far as the African sense of family, he is fathering this person, um, this, this little brother of his. How old is the little brother? Eleven. I mean, like, it's a very, very tender, vulnerable, important age. I mean, it's it's a huge responsibility. And he steps up as a man and as a father and handles it, even though he's got a lot on his plate. And we don't always see great black fathers in the movies. Now, again... One of my agenda items. I mean, and this is a, like a career agenda item for me. You know, there's a reason why in House Party, you know, kid was being raised by a single dad, you know, or in Boomerang, we see Eddie Murphy kind of mature in terms of his relationship with women or uh, looking at, you know, Django Unchained, uh, you know, this black man who goes to hell to save his wife. Um, they're a good marshal. Um, you know, Clarence Avon, the Black Godfather. It, it's like we've got all this wonderful Black girl magic where Black women are finally getting their voice and they're expressing it beautifully in all these different mediums. But we've got to depict healthy, highly functioning Black men. And, you know, when you look at all those movies, I mean, that's one of the themes that I've been working with because, you know, Movies are the dream factory. So we need to reflect our true selves. And when you look at these stats, the fact is black dads are really committed dads, right? I mean, whether they're raising their child or someone else's child, black dads are super engaged with their children. And the mythology of popular entertainment is the opposite. So I was like, okay, well, here's a great story that gets to tell the truth about black fatherhood. It's interesting because I've seen all your films and you definitely have made that point, but not in a didactic way where I'm like, you know, Reggie is like, you know, after school special, black dads are great. Like it's just part of the thrust of the story. Um, I just, I wonder how you, how you make that part of the story without becoming overly, you know, like didactic and, you know, like, 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 you know, Spike will make a political point and he'll have it, somebody do it in a speech. So it's underlined, Spike is making a political point. And you're, you know, whether you agree with it or not, you're like, okay, I'm a little dragged out of the story now because you are making your, you know, whereas you do it in a way that's like, I'm telling a story uh, and I'm not dragging you out of the story to make this point. Right. Well, look, I mean, everyone's got their own style of doing things, right? And, you know, when you do put a circle around and underline it, people give you credit. Man, he's saying something, right? Uh, the way I do it, right, it is the way I like to tell a story, which is not 
and not didactic. And yes, uh, so people just go, oh yeah, Reggie's movies are fun. And it's like, well, yes, they're, you know, <laughs> they're supposed to be entertaining. And look, I, I want you to um, not know, you know, what's happening to you or what I'm telling you. I just want you to feel it, right? And not hear it. I want you to feel it. Uh, and I feel like ultimately that's more effective uh, in terms of messaging. Um, but, uh, you know, so yeah, everyone's got their own stuff. You know, I, I, it's not, I, it's not, I'm not spoiling anything by telling folks within this, within the throw of this movie, this division one scholarship athlete runs into trouble because the NCAA rules are, Byzantine and arcane, and they want to make sure in no imaginable way are you taking anything that could possibly be construed as a financial gift, which leads him into basically like hopping on one leg with his hand behind his back. Like you, you can't have somebody give you a ride from from your house to school, or you know, you can't have somebody give your son a ride from the house. Like, oh my God. And like, you know, we're seeing athletes saying, like, hey. We want to make some money because y'all are making tons of money and you're squeezing us into a position where not only do we have to be broke, but we can't even take a favor from the people around us who are just trying to be loving. Um, so I, I appreciated that that became part of the film because I feel for the athletes, I'm like, they should be paid. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, there's all this fear of people taking advantage of the system, right? And and look, I get the impulse of you don't want anyone taking bribes or anything. You have sport, right, uh, from, uh, from financial influence. You want an honest, fair game. Um, what does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrive market dot com slash Torrey on March 16th 2000 two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta Jamil Alamin a Muslim leader and former black power activist was convicted but the evidence was shaky and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial my name is mostly secret and when I started investigating this case in my hometown I uncovered a dark truth about America from tenderfoot tv campside media and iheart podcasts radical is available now Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. But obviously, as you said, when, you know, you know, there's unintended consequences. There's like, whoa, 
this these rules are like the the crime bill, you know. <laughs> you just go, oh, wait a minute, that's not the goal here. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so yeah, you have to you know realize if you go okay. Now that this this is in practice, we see what's really happening, and we need to make changes to make it more fair. We've talked before about the challenge of shooting like a party scene, right? Like it seems easy, but there's like a lot of people and just sort of choreographing a lot of people at the same time. Very, very challenging. You do a lot of football scenes in this, both practice and play. And sometimes you're doing, you know, like a sort of bird's eye view. So we see what's going on. Sometimes you're doing sort of like a, I guess you have the camera on the actors. So we see them running through, but these are very challenging things as a director to do to make sure because it's never just let's just throw out the ball and play a football scene like the scenes matter to the plot he is not paying attention because he's his, his life is spiraling apart so he runs down the field and he gets knocked out because he's not where he's supposed to be or now he's doing very well and he makes the tackle because he knows where he's supposed to be so how do you do these football scenes which are complicated and there's lots of people in the field and make it like, you know, just just make sense. Right. Well, there's a couple of things. One is the NFL shoots football really well, right? I mean, whether it's you know, professional football, college football, I mean, you know, they've got 23 cameras. It's really well done. So if you're going to see football in a movie, you've got to exceed what they do already every week, right? And the 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 way to do that is to do what uh, television can't do, which is to, to get inside the player's head, to get inside the player's perspective. And more importantly, uh, a, a sports scene is no different than an action scene, which is no different from a musical number, meaning the story can't stop. Right. You have to advance character and story through the sports plays. Right. So... If you so if you do all that, then the scenes really work because you have the kinetic energy of football. So it's gladiators and these people flying at high velocity and they're slamming into each other and you know the, the incredible demands of playing sports at, at a D1 level. And you really feel that because we understand what the character is going through, we understand the probability of success or failure of him completing the play. And we really care whether he, uh, what he does. It's interesting that you note there. I'm not just making this piece of visual entertainment in a vacuum. I have to be aware of other things that the audience is consuming. They uh, either, they watch football, which, you know, you can watch, you know, 10, 20 games a week. Um, or they don't watch football, but you have to be aware of like, I don't want to give you the same things. I need to go above what is available to you for, on free television within this, right? I have to respond to things that are outside the frame of what I'm making. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because uh, I, I made the movie knowing it was going to debut on Disney Plus, but I didn't change my style like, oh, this is TV. You know, I made this movie the same way I make any movie. Like, this is a big screen epic. Um, and, you know, this is one of the things. 
they mad at COVID. I was like, God, I would just love to have shown the movie in a 3000 seat theater for the premiere. Right. Just one right. or two times right. to have a room. Like I, we always, we, we kept going, man, we're going to come back to Clemson. We're going to show this movie, you know, we'll show it in the big theater. Or no, maybe we'll show it in the actual stadium. We'll have a big screen and it's going to be the loudest, craziest premiere ever. And they're like, nah, nah, we're not doing none of that. For more from me and Reggie, join us over at patreon.com slash show. Thanks so much to my man Reggie for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel, Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Gerville Calais, Michelle Brenda Cox, Kathy F., Keena Murphy, and Earl Dorsey. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garfano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed... By DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door. Thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy. And we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy. And I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer. Because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.